All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Rogue Capitalist. It is I. And this week, it is the Good Friday week. And I hope you guys enjoyed a good, good Friday with your families and all that. Even in Singapore, we do celebrate Good Friday. Because as we all know, Singapore is a multi-racial and multi-religious society. So most of you guys are thinking, how did Singapore manage to achieve this multi-racial and multi-religious society? I can tell you that if you live here, you'll get to find out why. It is no different from people living in different zones based on the type of beliefs that they have, based on the different race that they have. You rarely see people from different races mixing around, despite the Singaporean government's best intentions to make them mix together. I do know there's some uh, social engineering in the works because of the way in which they've been trying to say that our lands are incredibly scarce and designating Singaporeans to live at certain zones on this island. I perhaps should talk more about the Singaporean uh, BTO model, which is the built-to-order government subsidized housing model that they have started, the central planners, the urban planners. They've been planning this for the past 50 years. And now that I've gotten a little older, I sort of understand how that they are socially engineering society towards a certain angle that they want to achieve. And so this week has been a very interesting week. I believe a week ago, the US just passed the Bill 6.8, sorry. I don't know that this is a very big cause for concern for many of the pro-libertarian, the freedom boys, the Bitcoin maxis and all that. But the big reason why such a bill is passed is something which I'll cover later on. I'll just talk about some big news that were launched this week or happened this week. The biggest one that happened actually is ChatGPT being banned in Italy. I think that artificial intelligence is way more advanced than what people think. Based on my position, I can't really reveal too much about what I know about it because I used to know that what I used to know. I know that artificial intelligence is way, way, way more ahead than what they're selling you. If you guys think that ChatGPT is the be-all and all, the greatest thing that ever happened to Earth, ChatGPT 4 is crazy. Let me tell you that the defense military industrial complex has way, way, way more advanced stuff than you ever know. This is coming from a guy that used to be from there. And so if you guys are truly prepared for what's to come in the next... 10 years or 22 years on the road to the singularity. I tell you, there's going to be a very fundamental change and everything that you know about life is going to change on its head forever. When you, think of, when you talk about artificial intelligence, the biggest thing that concerns people is the way that people learn. I do know some people like to sell you the dream of how you can use artificial intelligence to make yourself rich. But you need to ask yourself, what is the definition of rich? You're talking about the amount of fiat dollars that you have in your bank account. You're talking about amount of material wealth you have or you're talking about how as a person you are mentally spiritually and all that whole because i do know that some people like to chase the pursuits of uh, money they like leveraging technology to do all that but i'm telling you that one day it'll bite us in the behind if you know it because very soon there's going to come a time where people who don't use artificial intelligence will be left behind or so they say but when you make this type of statement, let me tell you something. They are very wrong. I believe that nobody is left behind by artificial intelligence. Because you do have to understand one thing about humanity is that they like to take the path of least resistance. That means if you present to them something which can make their life somewhat easier by a little bit, they will take it. 
And this is by no means the kind of way in which these so-called pro-artificial intelligence boys are trying to sell you the dream. They're telling you how you can use ChatGPT to write your essays and all that stuff. But then it's the same thing as the grab analogy. The grab analogy is people have a phone. You're living in a city. Let's say you are born into a city. You have no idea how you like how it's like to work in a farm. You have no idea how it's like to work in a farm. So you believe that through a swipe on your phone, food will be delivered to your doorstep. Be it DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grab Food, Food Panda, etc. So you believe that food will magically appear in front of your doorstep. And so you don't need to know how food production is done. You believe that everything comes from the heavens, the skies above. Yes, it's going to be the skies above. Because very soon we are going to have an AI in our drones, which will map out the best route to deliver the food to our homes. Drones? Exactly, I'm telling you that the drones are going to be the biggest thing in the next 10 to 15 years. I believe that in five years time, it's going to be rolled out in Singapore some way. Because Amazon has been testing it for quite a while to deliver stuff to you without going through their supply chain of the delivery drivers and all that. So if you think about artificial intelligence replacing humans, it's as simple as that. It's to replace some of the more physical, manual inten- manual labor intensive stuff. But ultimately, right, you still need humans to operate the real economy. When I say the real economy, it is the real jobs that people, like most of you guys listening to this podcast, have never seen. There's a reason why industrialists in the past were the most important people to build society. Isn't the the economics guy, it isn't the finance bro, it isn't sure as hell the engineers. Engineers came about later on when times were a little bit better to optimize lifestyles and all that. When you strip it down to the bare bones, who is truly needed to run society? It's the industrialist, the guy that's growing your vegetables, the guy that's herding your sheep, the guy that's raising your cattle, your chicken, growing all your agriculture, your vegetables, your fruits, the rice, your quinoa, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people living in cities have completely forgotten that the world functions this way. Like maybe if you work in the supply chain, supply chain sector, whatever you want to call it, you sort of understand how this entire system runs. And that's why oil and gas is still very important in this world. And when they announced that OPEC will be cutting production from May all the way towards the end of the year, it just activates something in me, making me want to think about one thing that's in particular. It is that there's a reason why they're cutting production. Like, officially, all the finance bros like to say it's about the economy, it's about reducing inflation. But the thing is that with higher oil, it's going to increase inflation because you're going, to, you're going to spend more for producing certain things because the world runs on oil. No matter how these uh, people who are pro-ESG and all that, I do believe that some of them are quite desensitized to how reality really functions. But then again, it's what makes us human. We have to understand different people's perspective. You can't really force down their throats and say that oil is important. Like today, maybe they grow up in a city. They have no idea how life is like maybe somewhere in a second, third world country where they'll be doing most of the mining or the raw materials and all that. That's why traveling is very important. It expands your horizon. 
expands the ability for you to see what's beyond just your four walls, just beyond what's your neighborhood. And the most scary thing, the reason why today's podcast episode is about the metaverse, is that Meta just announced that their robots comes with visual cortex. When you talk about visual cortex, it means that their robots are able to learn based on what they can see. So what these robots have is an artificial mind, artificial intelligence again, to be able to make decisions based on what they're seeing. And you can imagine, imagine each robot dog has the ability to see things on their own without consulting a human mind to tell them what to do. So these dogs will be able to do whatever they want to do based on a certain scenario that's presented right in front of them. Now, I know you guys may be saying, oh, wow, that isn't that scary at all. That isn't a very big deal. But it is a very big deal. You're talking about a general artificial intelligence that's able to learn on the fly. And where does the data go to? The data has to go somewhere. And so the data from the dogs will most likely be sent towards the nearest local area network and sent to the wide area network and sent to their databases. That means with the information collected from a dog, from a robot dog, the robot dog is able to make decisions on its own because it's running around, looking at things, and then it processes information. The top process will be like a log sheet, you know, that's how coding works. So the log sheet from a certain dog's perspective, from dog A, dog B, dog C. Let's say A, B, and C have different algorithms in them. You know, different AI might be trained in different models. And when they approach a certain scenario, like viewing a criminal, for example, these three dogs with their three distinctively different data sets have three distinctively different AIs. And so these three dogs, based on what they're programmed, they'll be able to come up with their own thought process, their own conclusions, based on the scenario that's right in front of them. Maybe dog A determines that because on the meta models is trained, to immediately apprehend the person. Maybe that's choice A. Then robot B, which is the robot dog B, makes a decision to run away because it's maybe used the data model of a, of a guy that's like to run away from troubles. And then robot C, maybe he's trained with the models of being a social, social justice warrior or whatever you want to call it. He makes a decision to take matters in his own hand. And so the robot dog will go towards the criminal and try to trample on them. If it's programming for a weapon on top, you'll definitely unperson the criminal in front. And so these three robots will definitely be programmed with different kind of data sets. And this is how experimentation is done, like A-B testing, test case, when it comes to software. And so these dogs will come out with their own conclusion because it's a general learning, general learning AI model. The cortex is able to make them think and create their own conclusion. At the end of the trial, before the robots get scrapped, all three data sets or all three conclusions in the log sheet will be sent towards Meta's uh, AI lab. And they'll be running this information, coming out with the best optimal solution onto their overall data models. And so this is another way in which you can test, get the, the, the data and then create a data harvesting and then come up with conclusions for the next ultimate robot. So eventually they'll be creating an ultimate sentient robot AI that's able to make decisions based on whatever data they feed. And so the more that they test out this information with the dog, they can naturally learn how to process information, how to create 
his own conclusion. Imagine they run this 10,000, 100,000, 1 million times and they'll ultimately be able to create the ultimate Robodoc AI model. Imagine this solution is commercially viable. They can sell it to security companies. They can give it back to DAPA and DAPA will give it to their Department of Defense and give it to their military to create Robodoc AIs. You think about it, right? Meta is experimenting on all this, creating the ultimate Robodoc. So this Robodoc may be used domestically, it may be used in wartime, it may be used in homeland security, whatever you want to call it. So that's overall the gist of how this Robodoc machine learning, automatic learning thing it can do. I do know that many people are not aware that Facebook runs these type of operations to gather data, to make sure that their experimentations become much more you know, powerful. But overall, when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to Meta, Instagram, WhatsApp, whatever that they have, you have to understand one thing. It is that the reason why Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp becomes such a powerful app that everyone uses and how they realize that they should integrate all this together is because in the past, before this AI thing became the recent boom, before that it was really quite a boom among them, the greatest way in which they can harvest this information is by their users. And that's a big reason why in technology companies and in the and in the medicine industry or the drug industry, only the word user is used for people using products in the medical industry and in the tech industry. You guys are just users. You get it? So you guys are using the app. You're not even a customer and all that stuff. So each time you use the app, right, the information is all stored on a session, shared into the database. And so imagine over the past, I think Facebook started in 2004, over the past two decades that Facebook has been prevalent in society, you can imagine the amount of data that they have collected, the amount of data that they have collected on Facebook, you know, from its initial days from Harvard, from the days of Instagram for the past one decade plus, in which it has changed the way society has functioned, it has changed the way in which people live their lives. And now in WhatsApp, which is, even though they say it's end-to-end -end encryption, the data still has to be stored somewhere because it's encrypted, right? It has to be sent to somewhere, encrypted, and sent to somewhere else. So the unencrypted, the encrypted, and the key used to obfuscate whatever you have is really stored somewhere. I hope this is not too dry when it comes to uh, information technology. And so when all these things are stored on a database, we have the unencrypted, the encrypted, and the session key, the private key, whatever you call it, it's stored in the database. It means that, yes, it is encrypted end-to-end, -end, but the data has to be stored somewhere. And I, and I don't want to say that Facebook keeps the data and you know, harvest it and try to sell it to Cambridge Analytica, try to sell it to Palantir, to Peter Thiel and his uh, cronies building the next tech company with uh, fractional reserve banking. MMT, John Maynard Keynes kind of style. Because most tech companies, I tell you, will not function in reality. There's no way you're going to start a tech company. The only reason why this is possible is because of the fake money in the system. I'm telling you, man, this entire tech industry is, a, is like layers upon layers of all the good stuff, especially if you know finance and all that. That's a big reason why technology as it is, right, is inflation in a sense. And so all this information that's being stored is being used to train the models. Like I mentioned in my previous few episodes, I talk about how students who want to build AI 
their AI is not perfect because the data sets that they have is very limited. And Google does give out data sets for you to train. Really, I'm not even kidding. If you guys use the cloud platforms on Google, which is like Google Cloud Platform, they have data sets for you to use to experiment, to create your own models. But these models are not perfect because the data they give is so limited. It's, it's just like it's icing on the cake. It's like an iceberg. You only see the top part. You don't see the bottom part. And so that's the reason why those kids realize that if they really want to build an AI project, they have to collaborate with Google, get their data sets and build something unimaginable, something that's so amazing that it can change the way that everything is being used in society. And so what these kids were trying to build was a soccer AI. You know the, the game in which you, you play that thing? They wanted to create a soccer AI program put it onto the, into the machine and whenever a person put in a coin, the thing will just play on its own. So it's something like a like a proxy. It is a very odd idea, but I did look at it and see and monitor how it functions and it's not say very amazing because this application is only towards a game. What people want from AI is something way more extravagant than just that. And I did see some AI projects from a bunch of students who, which were quite amazing, which I cannot review too much. But I'm telling you that if these kids at the age of 16, 17 are building such stuff, right now they're probably in their early 20s, mid-20s. I can only imagine how far they have gone with their products. And there's a big reason why with the big tech layoffs, there are many laying off people who are building Web2. Web2 is the domination of internet industries over everything that everything that's functioning on the world. Web3 is going to be the so-called decentralized thing, but it's also the era of artificial intelligence, digital identities, and anonymity, no matter how you try to say it. I don't even think it's going to be anonymous because somehow, someway, people will know it's you. And so, this really ties in towards to this topic, which is the metaverse. And Bill 686 is something which is covered by a lot of the, the bros in the uh, pro-libertarian crowd. They like to talk about it as the anti-TikTok Bill. Well, I get it. I get the reason why it's the anti-TikTok Bill. You, a lot of youths in America are using TikTok. They're getting their information on there. They're dancing to it. They're monetizing themselves. They are using God's greatest gifts to them to make money out of it, to get attention from guys. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get about the TikTok thing. But the question is, is that this bill is more than just that. It's way, way, way more than just that. Because you have to understand in politics, things happen for a reason. And if it functions that way, it is meant to happen that way. This is a quote by... I think a former president, he used, he used to say it. And you have to understand that every political decision is essentially a business decision. Because you have to understand that in the United States, in the world, everywhere, there are people who lobby for certain things. So that means that the more money is being pumped towards a certain lobby, you can bet that it's going to function that certain way. So let's say a certain company wants complete domination of their industry in a certain country, what would they do? They would donate towards the campaign to ensure that 
they get their intended outcome. You get what I mean? So, how did this Bill 686 come about? I don't know, it happened overnight and suddenly it changed the way everyone thinks. Everyone's trying to say, oh, wow, they're trying to ban TikTok. They're trying to ban the way information is spread. Yeah, etc., etc. That's just the icing on the cake. That's just the tip of the iceberg. The big thing why Bill 686 was passed is because of Meta. Why Meta? It's all because of the Metaverse. Let me tell you something that happened in 2014 that most people had no clue. Why? Meta made such an acquisition or Facebook made such an acquisition. Facebook at the time acquired Oculus, which was the VR company. I remember that news happening while I was in my final year of high school. I think around final year of high school. Yeah, no, I finished high school at the time. At the time I was, I just finished internship at a, at a big tech company. And they were already talking about the metaverse. And I did have no idea what they're talking about. They were talking about VR, about AR, and how they are going to create the blend between reality and stuff. Let's just put it that way. And one thing that I used to work on was something called the Leap Motion and the Microsoft Kinect. See, I just reviewed which companies are interned at. And so the Leap Motion is like, you put your hand and you can control the stuff on the computer, which is essentially how the algorithm works. So imagine if this sensor is being rolled out everywhere, you can raise your hand and you can change the way you want to order stuff like that without touching on the screen, which is the future of what things are going to be. This sensor is very, it's not that strong. It is not, let's just say, uh, from here to my door, it cannot sense me. It has to be very close. It's something like my mouse is here, right? And it's here. I need to literally have it directly above me. It's like same as the Microsoft Kinect. The, the range of vision is incredibly short. That was, 10 years ago when I was working on that project. I don't know how advanced it is right now, but I can tell you it's very advanced. It has really been super advanced. So in 2014, around the time in which I was working on VR and AR, Oculus News was uh, something in which my supervisors were talking about during lunch. So they mentioned that Oculus was going to be acquired. And so naturally that piqued my interest. So I went to check out the company and realized that, well, this goggles thing, yeah, I did see it around. I did see it around in the office. But it wasn't that advanced at the time. But it was eye-catching towards Facebook. Because at the time, Facebook was really quite dominant. Super dominant. I'm talking about 2014 when Instagram was just about to come on the rise up. Before Facebook acquired Instagram. And Facebook was really thinking of acquiring something like Oculus in 2014. This was way before they acquired Instagram. This was way before they acquired WhatsApp. So you can imagine how all these things are being played in advance. When they create all this stuff, right? It's literally baby steps towards the intended outcome that they want, which is the metaverse. And when was the time in which people start, started to sound alarms about how Facebook and Instagram is changing the way people function in society? Because I believe that Facebook introduced the likes, the comments and all that. But the ability for people to share their life on Facebook. I believe it evolved from people sharing their life towards now to, to an era in which Facebook is monetized towards advertisements, businesses, and all that. And I do believe that Instagram is changing people's life in one way. The simplest one. So the way I use Instagram is that I do not 
okay, let's just put it this way. I do not watch people's stories and posts. What do I mean by that? I do use Instagram occasionally. Now, sometimes I'll take a detox. I'll just like deactivate my account and go cold turkey and do my own thing. But now at my face of my life when I'm doing my own business, I'm going to do another business real soon and doing multiple businesses sometime down the road in the next few years. Instagram is quite important because it is a bridge for you to be connecting with people that you might not know you might want to contact in the future. And we all know how powerful the geotagging is. You know, you can just go to a new country, you go to the place you want to go and you see the latest post, the latest story we post there. And you can just comment on the person, hey, uh, nice post, uh, how was the food there, etc. And then, Facebook, right, with Instagram, I didn't know this until recently. It is that when my friend told me, hey, there's so many freaking ads on the app. To me, there was no apps on my app. I do not use the stories. And so I heard from my sibling that when she was using Instagram, watching stories of other people, each time she watched a story, right, there's going to be an ad played after every three story. And so I was shocked. Naturally, I was shocked because I didn't know that there were ads on Instagram. Like everyone was telling me, oh yeah, there are a lot of ads. So naturally, I sat beside my sister and she used the phone and then she, she watched the story and I realized, oh yeah, you're right. There are a lot of ads. Every, after every three stories, there's an ad. I don't get to see that until now. I don't believe that this is a new thing. It might be an old thing for the past two, three years because I don't watch stories. So I have no clue that there were ads in between stories. And so the ads was released. And so that meant that the ads are tailor-made towards what content you're viewing. Because the search, the explore page, is all based on the algorithm going through whatever that you've been watching and then pumping it to the app pumping it to the model that is based on you to recommend you ads that you might want to watch, might want to consume. And each time you might not know, the ad also has a story timer. When you fully watch the ad, that means that this ad is something that you're interested in. So guess what? The algorithm is going to keep pushing you the same app, the same advertisement nonstop. And let's say the advertisement comes out and you instantly click away. It either means that A, you're not interested in the app, or B, you just want to carry on your dopamine-inducing act of watching people's story. And so when you watch, 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 and then a certain ad attracts you, maybe that certain ad attracts you one second more. Because I'm telling you, software systems are very sophisticated. They can track based on a millisecond, right? Millisecond, the thing can track by millisecond. One, two, five, ten, twenty milliseconds longer than the previous one. I'm telling you that the app will know and they will keep recommending the same thing to you over and over again. And so, Meta is on its way towards the Metaverse. They even rebranded themselves into Meta. And Bill 686 comes about. Possibly seven, ten years before the Metaverse goes live. This timing is too perfect. Oculus acquired in 2014. Metaverse announcement in 2021-2022. Metaverse launched 2032 onwards, together with the bill being passed. It is the perfect time to launch the, the bill because everyone thinks that it is a way to circumvent TikTok from total domination. But it's using TikTok, the guise of TikTok, as the way to launch it. To make people think that, wow, this is a freedom restrictive app 
No, it's not. It's not an act to restrict your freedoms. It is an act to ensure that total market domination is in Meta's hands. Because Meta, no matter how you think about it, has changed the way we live our lives for good and for the better. For myself, it changed for the better. Because I do know how to balance the bad and the good of using social media platforms. Meta is working towards the metaverse. I do know some people have certain views on how virtual reality, how you're going to be plugged in. Sure, you guys have watched Sword Art Online, which is an anime really telling you how the metaverse is going to be. Okay, maybe you can log out from that. In the Sword Art Online, you can't log out from that. It's a dev game, essentially. Oh, yes. And if you guys haven't watched Sword Art Online, I highly recommend that is the future. That is the future of how the next generation of youths are going to live in pods, eat bugs, and essentially just, you know, get unpersoned. And why is that so? We need to look at meta and political donations. We have to understand why certain views are passed. It's very simple. All you got to do is just follow the money and you'll know why certain things are being done a certain way. Meta is the largest social media donor based on organization towards the US government. I'm going to put the link in the description because in case you guys want to fact check me, you can carry on with it. They rank number 10 on overall lobbying organizations and they donated close to $20 million to ensure that their whatever wishes that they want get taken into consideration. Like maybe you lobby, right? You might not get things done a certain way. Like I do believe that even though you donate money, certain things might not get pushed for you. But maybe because the perfect guys of TikTok as a national, as an international conspiracy against the US government about how to destabilize the West, it's a perfect front. Meta can use it and negotiate terms to ensure that the bill gets passed to protect the consumer. It's always about protecting the consumer. And when this bill gets passed, in the guise of protecting information, in the guise of ensuring that no external espionage apps are being used, it leaves room open for something domestic to overtake this missing gap. Because TikTok gets banned, what happens? Everybody will be using Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp. Like I do know that Facebook is not that popular amongst the young, but Instagram is. Have you seen the push towards Instagram Reels, which is TikTok 2.0? Hold on. Uh. Had to sneeze right there. Pretty sure it ain't COVID. And so when TikTok gets removed from the equation, everyone's going to be using Instagram Reels. It's going to be replacing the time that people spend on TikTok. And you see how Reels is also being programmed. It is the slot machine. You just swipe up, swipe up, swipe up. It's a brand new thing. The reels keep, just keeps on coming. How do I know? My my mother is incredibly addicted towards Instagram reels. No matter how hard I try to tell her, hey, don't use it anymore, don't use it anymore, she'll probably not listen to me at all. Get what I mean? Because it's so addictive. You try to talk to someone using Instagram reels, it ain't gonna work. They'll probably be sucked in and they can't even respond to whatever you're gonna say. That's why I can tell you that Instagram reels is truly a very dangerous endeavor. Like, I don't know, TikTok is destroying the youths. But can you imagine what Instagram has been doing for the past few years? 
I do believe it's not really destroying. You need to know the right balance, especially if you're a parent. You must be able to tell them when not to use it and all that. But then it's hard, right? I do understand because imagine every single youth is doing it and you as a parent tell your kid not to do it when every other kid is doing it, when every other parent is not even aware of it. That's why when you look at parents who work in tech, they don't even allow their, their, their children to, to do certain things on the computer because they know how harmful it is. So it doesn't matter whether this bill is passed or not. The bill is really been passed. Why, why, why the hell am I saying? So this bill has been passed. TikTok is gone. Everyone's attention will be used on Instagram again. Like no doubt, Instagram is truly a super app. You can buy stuff on there now. You can post the best moments in your life. You can look into someone else's life through a mirror and wow, I'm so jealous and all that. And with Meta making this donation, they are donating it to the party running the show. But it doesn't matter which party runs it. Ultimately, Meta will get what they want which is the metaverse. And I'm telling you, with this bill passed, the next step forward is going to be the metaverse. All coast is clear. Everybody's into the meta ecosystem, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram. The next thing they launch is going to be meta, their flagship metaverse. And when that happens, they will achieve complete dominance because with external apps out of the way, the only app available now it's going to be whatever the Meta wants. And this bill just proves just that. It is none other than the Metaverse bill. And so let me carry on with this after I go to the washroom. Give me a moment. Huh? The complete domination of Meta in every industry. Just look at the way society has evolved. From face-to-face -face interactions to everything done by a screen. Facebook is currently being used by the elderly. No mistaken, because Facebook was launched at a time 10 years ago in 2014 when people just like to spend time on their phones, right? It's the easiest way to communicate. You don't really need to meet people anymore. And so when it was launched, Facebook did have really good intentions. Like you look at the way that the elderly or the adults are using Facebook. They're sharing moments of their life. They still believe that they should share stuff on Facebook. That's with good intentions. They're not sharing any scantily clad stuff or begging for love or begging for attention from someone else. Last time, I used to post stuff on Facebook when I was very young. I like to post where I'm at, which country I'm visiting, what I'm eating and all that stuff. Like I still post what I'm eating. That's probably the most ambiguous way in which I can share stories. And so, moved on to Instagram. Instagram is being used by the youths. Instagram is the way in which everything changed. People started creating personas, creating the perfect ultimate version of themselves. Because in the past, when the adults use Facebook, they didn't really bother too much about the likes. They didn't really bother too much about what they're posting. Today, it's just post, yes, everyone like it. Yeah, yeah, comment, comment. Okay, fine. But Instagram was the one where the like button became fully, fully, fully integrated in our society. The reason why it fully integrated is because it changed the way that people acted. People started doing things that make them like to create this hive mind-like approach. So each time they post something and they receive a lot of likes, they become very, very happy because they feel, wow, someone likes what I'm posting. And so this is the carrot that's being dangled and how Instagram managed to change the way society functions. It changed the way in which certain businesses optimize the way in which they portray their products and all that. 
because all these likes, all these comments, I'm telling you, it is not just something that they put it there for you to like and show the guy appreciation. It is something that's being monitored by companies. That's the reason why they have social media managers. They have teams of data analysts, teams of data engineers who are taking all this data that's being fed towards Instagram, towards their product, that they have a certain influencer advertise. They take the information, they just do a screenshot and they, they get the comments, they get the views, they get the likes. Because the Instagram business account does show you how many people visit your account and all that. But I, and I do know companies definitely want the influencers to share how their account has changed the amount of views and all that. And influencers themselves, the entire business, is to ensure that people buy products from them and they're able to get more followership, ability to get to, to more sponsors, get more advertisers, contact them to make money out of it. So everything has become a very data-driven operation. And so Instagram is the ultimate business where you're selling yourself to get data to see what's being what's able for you to pivot and make certain changes to your account. It's a big reason why face value does matter. Everyone nowadays like to have porcelain white skin looking like some Korean model from somewhere. It's also changing the way society functions. Because the biggest experiment was the K-pop experiment. Started, people started to dance to K-pop. People started want to look like K-pop idols. Because a lot of these guys realize, oh, I can't look macho, I can't look masculine. I need to look like some, some boy in Korea. Let's just put it that way. White skin, weird ass hair. I'm telling you, no one really gives a crap about your hair. Especially when you get older, people start to realize, you know what? It's about what value you bring to a society. And all these are just steps towards how the metaverse is going to start. And it's already begun. The biggest one is the WhatsApp avatars, man. You guys remember WhatsApp used to be just chatting, but now they've introduced you to create emojis. You're able to create your own avatar on the WhatsApp. So what's an avatar? It's stemming from the early days of the online gaming era. MapleStory, you remember it, to create your own mini character of yourself. You can personalize it and look it certain way they want. And what do you want to do to ensure that you look a unique way? You use the gachapon sister, you buy the thing, you get a hair, the hairstyle, and you get it, or you pay money through, yeah, you pay money and make sure you look nicer than most people. So that's the early way in which gaming has fine-tuned people's psyche. I do believe that nothing of this is pre-planned. The road is planned, but the road on the way there is not planned. It is over time, people start to realize, wow, the I launched this thing and people are very sympathetic towards it. And people who study behavioral, they start to realize this type of thing. And then they create charts and realize, well, maybe I integrate this, I integrate this from this, I take the hairstyle of people wanting to look different from Ins from MapleStory. And they are able to create the perfect metaverse, which is the end game. And so the avatar, of course, it's a data operation. Each time you click something, yes, I like this, I like that. And then they map whatever you like to your, uh, your, to your character. And that is the avatar that is going to be used for you. And in the back-end operation, back in Meta HQ, they really got, oh, this guy likes to be green color face with spectacles on and short hair. So that means that if we create the default avatar for him in the Metaverse, this should be it. Get what I mean now? It's as simple as that. So everything is a data operation being stored in the database. There's a big reason why the, there's a big push towards data infrastructure centers everywhere. You, you, if you use cloud services, you have to notice that there are more data centers being propped up, more and more and more and more data. Because 
you need to store this data to be able to train and host the entire metaverse. I'm telling you, this metaverse operation is going to be incredibly energy-inducing. It definitely needs a lot of oil and gas to the pump it to make sure it works. Like, I do know, maybe in the future, they might want to rely on solar panels to make sure it functions. But I'm telling you that this entire avatar operation, they also have filters to change how you look. And nowadays, you look at Fortnite, virtual concerts. It's a very simple concept. All you got to do is just log into Fortnite and you're able to watch it. But it's more than just that. The filters that people are using to, to make their character look that way is the representation of themselves in the virtual world. And nowadays, there's a rise of plastic surgery. There's a rise of people changing the way they look. People like to dye their hair. People like to change their eyelashes. People like to change the way that their face looks. You know, Botox, knife shaving, their, their chin to make sure they look young. This is all a way to make themselves look like the perfect being. But and very soon, the metaverse will be a way in which people can live their pathetic existence on this planet, as the central planners would say. And they're able to move online to a world in which they can create an avatar that represents their best self. And so with Facebook, people wanting to share their life, changing to Instagram, people want to post the highlights of their life, to Reels, so people only want to show the best parts of themselves. The end game is the metaverse where everybody is going to be having an avatar, a character of themselves that represents themselves at a very, very, very high level. Represents themselves, they look like models, they look perfect in the digital realm, and they never want to leave it. Imagine a fantasy world where you put on a goggle and you can live in there without leaving your home. Everybody in the world thinks that you're some perfect six feet tall, six, six, six feet five, muscular Roman soldier. You don't even leave your house. That's the way the metaverse is going to be. They're going to make you live in that world where you're going to live the perfect existence. You're going to be look so different compared to your real person. And it's so online, so art online. You also can see it. When the guy activated the mirror thing at the beginning, everybody looked like their default stuff. Everybody was so shocked. Guys who are masquerading as girls, actually guys, some guy who looks some extremely macho, incredibly, and turned out to be a little kid. So this thing, at Fortnite, like I mentioned in the virtual concerts, it's a way in which people are going to be conditioned towards watching certain things online. They're going to be tuning in the computer and watching it. But I do know, live streaming, YouTube videos, it's so a way in which people get naturally hooked into this entire metaverse kind of ecosystem. But it is going to be the way in which society is going to move towards. But I do know the decentralization, web and all that. I'm telling you, it's going to be just a road towards the ultimate endgame. How about other companies? How are they playing a part in this metaverse road? Accenture has started consulting for metaverse solutions. They're trying to integrate certain companies to move towards having their offerings on the metaverse, which I believe that is going to be the bridge towards the eventual metaverse adoption. And what is Accenture? Accenture is also part of Microsoft. And Microsoft, you know, has been building VRAR for a very long time. They also have very big on biotech and all this. So you have to do your research. And the next one is the oil production card, OPEC card oil production from now until the end of the year. I believe they're going to be cutting even more starting from now. And there's a big reason why. Because very soon, people won't be moving around that much. They'll be living in the metaverse. They'll be not even be living at homes. They'll be stuck with their goggles on in a virtual world in which they'll own nothing and be happy. Maybe the only time that they leave the house is to take 
the Tesla that's downstairs, bringing them to their designated area to do whatever they're supposed to do. And finally, the biggest thing that introduced this metaverse or set apart or set aside or started this wave of the metaverse adoption is the working from home mantra. The working from home mantra is the biggest way for people to see at home and work. It changed the way that society functions in a way that you no longer have to go to office, you no longer have to go to anywhere to work. All you gotta do is be connected to the internet and you're pretty much good to go. And this is the same in the metaverse. All you need is a connection. You just need to be at home, lie on your bed, put your goggles, that's it. So this work from home has conditioned people to accept the metaverse because they understand, oh, working is that simple, I just sit at home, use my computer, well, that's it. But they have forgotten. And this is by design, with all production being cut, is that humans will no longer be needed to work in the real economy. The real economy is going to be done by the second, third world, by industrialists. While the normal human, the average Joe, is going to be stuck in the metaverse, and that's about it, the end of their lives. So the world is going to be shifted towards two different aspects. Those that function in the real world, those who are doing the real economy, the industrialists, the businessmen, and you, a bunch of the 80% on this planet is going to be living in the metaverse, living their pathetic lives in the digital realm. So you need to pick a choice. You want to live in the real world or you want to live in the metaverse? Something you decide. And how will the metaverse be adopted? How will it be adopted? It's going to be a topic which I will discuss sometime in the future. And this is not than the gaming industry. Because the gaming industry is where the biggest innovation lies. Riot Games, Nike, all that. Pretty sure you guys know where I'm going to take this. And if you guys want to find out more how you can navigate this metaverse future, of how that this world is changing towards a more digital realm, how you can prepare for it, how you can capitalize, how you can save your liberties and build wealth, check out my book, Broke Capitalist. I'll link it in the description box below. In that book, I highlight ways in which the world is going to be, how you can navigate through it, and understand that the only way out is to embrace free market capitalism, and to become a rogue capitalist because everybody nowadays wants to be a cartel capitalist. So that's all I have for today, guys. I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you guys on the next one. It's a rogue capitalist and I'm going out.